Welcome to the podcast. You are listening to Your Daily Drive, and I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. I want to talk about here the forgotten victims of abuse. I want to talk about foster children. I had the opportunity to meet with some parents not so long ago, and they had a lot of questions. Now, these parents had one thing in common. They were foster parents. They love children. They want to do poor... (laughs) They want to do pure religion. And we met and we talked and they had a lot of questions about, well, how do you help these kids? How do you guard your own heart from helping these kids? And I want to talk about that in this podcast. You can read a complete transcript of this article on our website. I would love you to do that. The title of the podcast and the article on our website is Foster Children, the Forgotten Victims of Abuse. Foster children, the forgotten victims of abuse. I have several infographics in this article. There are five to be exact, and so I have a lot of visual work that I would love for you to see in addition to this audio podcast, in addition to a 2,000-plus word article. And then I have three other links here. My 31-day parenting devotional, my book on communication, and my book, A 31-Day Devotional on Teenagers. A lot of information. If you are a foster parent, if you are a parent, period, if you love helping people, this article, all of these resources will serve you well. You can get them all embedded in this article, Foster Children, the Forgotten Victims of Abuse. And if you want to talk about something specific, because each situation is different. Sometimes somebody will ask me, well, what, what would you do? How would you help this person who is a foster parent, for example? It's a super general question. How would you help a parent of a teenager who is rebelling? How would you help a spouse who has a spouse who is walking away from God? I don't know. The answer to the question is, I don't know. I need more detail. I need specifics about that situation. You could have 50 spouses walking away from the Lord. You could have 50 parents adopting or taking on 50 foster children, but those would be 50 unique situations. I can give you some general ideas. I had someone write on our forum yesterday how uh, I'm going to meet with a, I think a six-year-old kid, something like that. Uh, What would you do? And there were some general things that I shared with this forum responder, question asker. But it's only after she came back today, after the meeting, and she had some specific things because she met with an individual. And so I could give more detail because this child is unique. Their parents are going through, are divorced. And how do you help this child? The child is unique, and it takes unique care. And so if you have a question about your situation, the way that you get that question answered is by going on our forums. Don't send an email, and please don't ask me anything on social media. We have hundreds of thousands of people that visit our website every year, and we have 20 social media platforms, and that's not possible. But we will not turn you away, and your question will not go unanswered. But you have to do it our way. You have to get on the forums. It's one spot, and that's where our entire team is. That's where we hang out, and we're waiting for you. So if you have a question, 
you please ask it. Go to our forums. We have a community forums for those who don't support our ministry. It's free, no catch, no charge. We also have a private forum for those of you who support our ministry, and you can go to the private forum. And so please let us serve you in a specific way by customizing our care. Otherwise, I hope that you enjoy this article on foster children, the forgotten victims of abuse. Some of the unsung heroes in the Christian community are foster parents. I've never been one. I've interacted with quite a few. I've counseled several foster kids in my career, in my vocation, my ministry, and I've also met with many foster parents. One of the most beautiful pictures of the gospel that you'll ever see are parents laying themselves on the line for the sake of a helpless child. In some way, I, in a sense, I was a helpless child. I was not taken on. No one took me, adopted me, or I wasn't in foster care, but I was a child without a parent, basically, because my father was an alcoholic. He was a drunk. And my mother had a number of issues, and so basically we parented ourselves, and we did, we five boys, we did an awful, an awful job. I was, in many ways, many respects, a helpless child. And so when I hear about foster parents who are just laying it down, laying themselves on the line to help helpless children, it is an amazing pic- picture of the gospel. Jesus left his place, came to our place, and loved us. It's a clear reminder of Paul's gratitude to God. In Romans 5, 8, he said, he loved us while we were sinners. We are bound in our sin, and God comes and loves us and rescues us. Well, that's the foster parent. Foster parents powerfully emulate the Savior by loving children who have lost their way. They've lost their way because they're like you and me. They are born in Adam. We all have lost our way. And these kids not only have lost their way because they were born in Adam like the rest of us, but their lives were further complicated by their biological parents for whatever reason, whatever the circumstances may have been. Here they are. They need somebody to rescue them. It has been my privilege to come alongside a few foster parents who have asked for some guidance in their journey, and I found it personally enriching to serve these heroes of the faith. And with that in mind, I want to share with you some of the things that I typically share with foster parents. And if you can make it over to our website, rickthomas.net, I don't know if I said this earlier, but my name is Rick Thomas. This is our ministry, and we have a wonderful team of servants who, that's just what they want to do is help people. And so if you can make it over here, please check out these infographics. I'm going to talk to you through them. I'll try to do the best I can, but seeing is better And so if you can, I I hope this will serve many parents and foster parents as they care for their little ones. In the beginning of time, I'm talking about Genesis chapter 1 and 2, the universe was in a chaotic mess. And the universe needed someone to come along and speak into the chaos. And this is what God did. God spoke into the chaos. He created 
in Hebrews 11.3 is where we get this idea of created. The actual verse says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. God spoke into the chaos. Now, the reason that I'm sharing this verse to you, with you, is because the word created in Hebrews 11.3 is a Greek word that Paul used in Galatians 6.1, which means restore. In Galatians 6.1, Paul said, if a person is caught, if a person is in trouble and they can't extricate themselves from the trouble, you are to restore them. The same word in Hebrews 11.3, when God created, when God spoke into the chaos. In the Genesis account, we see the Lord speaking in, into the chaos of a disordered universe by the power of his word. What did he do? He brought order out of chaos. This is analogous to what a foster parent does. This is analogous to what any parent is called to do for a child. The sole reason a foster parent receives a child is because the child is in some kind of chaos. He has been chaotically affected by his environment, which has been deemed unacceptable. The child is removed from their home and placed in a foster home. The foster parents have the amazing and challenging privilege of providing something that is completely counter to the child's experience. This is the gospel. God spoke his word into our lives, and the reorientation of our souls began. He spoke into our chaos similarly to the way he did in the beginning when he spoke into the universe. We are being restored by God. These children have been caught by sin that is not of their own making, and now they can be restored to. They are in traps that have affected how they think about and live in their world. The foster parent comes along and provides a context of grace and peace, which is modeled after the Word of God. It's like a child coming to the U.S. from a third world country. He has no categories or interpretive grid for life in the United States. The hope is for him to go from chaos and dysfunction to order and unity. This is the job of all parents. As they cooperate with the Lord and his word to help a child attain this rich goal. And so the first infographic here talks about bringing the word of God to bear into the chaos of the child's life, going from chaos to order. My second point is about you, parent, being an example for that child to follow. In Philippians 4, 9, Paul said, What you have learned and what you have received and what you have heard and what you have seen in me, practice these things. And if you practice these things, the God of peace will be with you. Parent, tell your child this. Turn to your child and say, Do you want the God of peace to be with you? then I want you to practice the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. It's a profound verse, Philippians 4, 9. The most effective teaching tool for the foster parent is their personal day-to-day -day examples they provide for the child. A picture is worth a thousand words, and the various portraits the parents emulate of Christ will have the greatest impact on the child you 
are a painting, a portrait, a picture, an imitation of Christ. I think sometimes we forget how our personal example can be our greatest liability or our greatest asset. The foster child needs teaching, but he'll be affected more by your Christ-like example. By all means, teach him about God, about Christianity, about salvation, about the church, about the Bible. Teach him about all things. Don't hold back from filling his mind with God's word, but also do not forget how your personal example will have more power and effect on your child. He comes from a world of personal examples that are mostly poor. To see a counter Biblical example of how to live in a cruel world will be more enduring than your teaching. Your example will either enhance or trump your teaching. If you're modeling your teaching, you're on the right track. If your example is contrary to your teaching, your teaching will be marginalized or even viewed as hypocritical. Your goal is for him to follow you as you follow Christ, 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. This will also be your greatest test. On Tuesday afternoon, after he spits in your face or defiantly throws an object across the room, your example in that moment will communicate more than your godly teaching that night. Paul was so bold to say everything his readers learned, received, heard and seen in him they were to do and if they followed his christ-like example he said boldly faithfully with faith the god of peace will be with them your greatest test and most challenging privilege will be to leave a godly example for your child to follow what will he learn receive hear see in you if it's a godly example, there's a good chance he can go from chaos to order. So number one, we bring God's word to bear to help the child go from chaos to order. Number two, we give him our example by saying what Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And then number three, you must remember your limitations. I have an infographic for this. In 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26, it reads like this. Paul said to Timothy, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may escape the snare of the devil. After being captured by him to do his will, God may grant repentance. Foster care reminds me of counseling in the sense that it's not the best context for change to take place. Now, foster care can work. Counseling can work. Change can happen in, in those short temporal seasons in a child's life or a counselee's life. It's just not the best place for a person to change and to stay changed. The reason for this is because there is a definite start date and stop date. In a counseling session, a person or a couple shows up seeking help. I, I will not counsel them forever. We have a short season where care can be provided and 
then they will go back to their world. This is also how it goes for most foster children. They show up at their new parents' home, and they only stay for a season. It's not like you gave birth to the child, and you will parent the child for 20 years or for the rest of your life. There is a start date and a stop date. Then the child is shuttled off to the next environment, similar to counseling. Foster care is the state's way, the government's way to help a child. It's not God's way. God's way to help children is for them to be in a stable home environment their entire childhood while being engaged by their family and their local church. With a long-term stable family situation, and the community of faith, the local church, the child has a greater chance of being encouraged toward Christ-likeness. It's an easy temptation for foster parents to place too much pressure on themselves, as though the life of this child will be determined by the season in which he is in their home. Counselors can be tempted similarly. This is where the parents need to back up and take in the whole picture. The whole picture gives more consideration to our sovereign Lord. Our omnipotent and omniscient God is not out of touch with what's going on in the foster child's life. Ultimately, he is the one in control of what's going on with the child. The gift of repentance. As I was reading earlier, as Paul was telling Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, is never dispensed by humans but is always given by the Lord. Your job is to cooperate with God by making his teaching clear through your words and your actions. You cannot make a person change, even on your best day. Change is God's business. You know the te- you know all the text well. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. Remember your limitations. If you don't, you'll be tempted to become angry, impatient, or or anxious because the child is not performing according to your expectations. Point number one, we bring God's word to bear into the chaos of a person's life, and they go from chaos to order. Number two, we give them our example so they can see what Jesus looks like in a a real, live, current, relevant individual. Number uh, number three, remember your limitations. Foster parenting is a a time-sensitive matter, and you want to make sure that you're not angry, impatient, or anxious. You know that God grants repentance. You are God's water boy or God's water girl. You plant, you water, and that's what you do. Number four, you are a waiter-outer. Yeah, that's a term, waiter-outer. In Luke 15, 17, the prodigal son, it says this, But when he came to himself, he, the prodigal, said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. Sometimes a person will ask me what I do for a living. If I'm feeling a bit punchy or silly, I, I may say, I'm a, I'm a waiter-outer. The truth is, that is the truth. I know I can't change anyone, but I can wait them out until God affects their hearts. 
It reminds me of the story of the prodigal son, which is not a lot different from a foster child. Though the prodigal's parents may have been better parents than the bio parents of the foster child, but his life choices are similar to many foster kids. He chose rebellion, and a lot of foster kids end up choosing rebellion. Regardless of how they got there, regardless of their victimization, the foster child is different in that he has been victimized, and you do want to remember that. But still yet, he does have a God-given morality to where he can choose between right and wrong. God's grace is greater than all our problems, regardless of what our problems are. I don't want to be insensitive here, and I don't want you to be insensitive. I'm sure you want. But we must understand that if a foster child is rebellious, it's because of decisions that he or she is making. Now, while I would never condone abusing children and strongly believe they should be removed from abusive situations without question, no hesitation, I also know a child can choose biblical morality. I realize it's not as simple as it sounds. I'm only making one point here, not several. At some point in time, the child can choose a right path. More than likely, he will not choose a right path while he is in your home. In this short temporal season that I was talking about, especially if your time with him is a short season. Let me give you an illustration here. I was in jail when I was 15 years old. There were several complicating reasons as to why I was in jail, poor parenting and my sinful choices. The Lord regenerated me when I was 25 years old. Now, looking back on it now, I can confidently say, because I'm looking back on it, and when you look through the rearview mirror, it's 2020. And here's what I would say. It would not have mattered what anyone would have said to me it was still going to be another 10 years before I was effectively changed. If you had met me at 15 years of age, 16, 17, 18 years of age, and tried to change me, tried to bring care to me, you could have been frustrated because I didn't change until I was 25 years old. Now, this is hindsight, looking backward. But it's important that you understand what I am saying. God grants repentance, and you have to wait until that child comes to an end of himself, like the prodigal did. God will not tell you when or if your foster child will change. He would not have told you when I was going to change. Perhaps you come to me, and I'm 15 years old, and God says, well, do the best you can, but here's what's going to happen. He's not going to change until he's 25. I'll regenerate him when he's 25. All God is calling you to do is to love your child while you have him. Be Christ to him today and leave his repentance to the Lord. Like the prodigal, you don't, you, don't, you don't know what verse your foster child is in. Is he in verse 12, 13? I'm talking about chapter 15. 15, 12, 15, 13, 15, 14, 15, 15, 15, 16. Only at 15, 17 is when the child repented. The prodigal did not repent until he landed in verse 17 when the light bulb was finally lit. Perhaps you receive a foster child. His journey of rebellion has just begun. He's in verse 12. He's a long way from verse 17. Your goal must be less about changing him and more about loving him. You cannot do the former transformation, but you can do the latter, love him.
And like the prodigal, if he does change, there's a good chance he'll come back to you to tell you about how your love affected him. Point number four and infographic number four, you're a waiter outer. Become comfortable with your job title. Wait them out. Love them, but wait. Be patient. God grants repentance. And then finally, number five, guard your heart. I referenced this verse earlier, 6-1, Galatians. Paul said, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him. Speak into his chaos. Bring the word of God into his chaos. Restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And then the second sentence in that verse says, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So important. It is easy as a parent to take your eye off the ball and start sending your brains out. I suppose children can wear you down quicker than anything else. They are high demand and they are self-focused. Imagine what it would be like to inherit a foster child who has no Christian moorings. Paul's appeal to us in Galatians perfectly applies to foster parents. If they don't guard their hearts, they will be tempted to sin. The context of Paul's appeal is the restorative work of a person who is caught in sin. He wants to remind us how restoration work is a quick and easy place to forget the main thing while succumbing to the temptation to sin against those you're trying to restore. There are certain cues that rise up in my soul, which is the Spirit's way of alerting me how I'm about to lose focus and succumb to the temptation to sin. I want to give you a list of my cues. When I feel these things, I know it can be only seconds before something unsavory rolls off my tongue. Here are the cues that I listen for. And by the way, these are the cues that Lucia listens for too. If I'm doing any of these things, she knows that I'm a, I've already crossed the line or I'm about crossed the line to where I'm impatient with someone like her or my children or anyone else for that matter. Frustration. Worry, anger, impatience, need, demand, anxiety, criticalness, expectation, disappointment, hopelessness, cynicism, and losing faith for the process. If any of those things start happening to my soul, I will sin against that individual. When I feel these things like heat rising, the most important thing I can do in those moments is get away from the situation and fling myself on the Lord it is a mercy the Spirit lets me feel these things before I blow a fuse. And when I do feel these things, I know I'm about to cross the line. I'm losing focus on who the Messiah is and who he is not. He is Jesus and I am not him. When I begin to act like I'm the Messiah, I will press for immediate change in my children when I'm not acting like the Messiah, I'm more relaxed, more patient with my children. When I'm the Messiah, my good desires for a person morph into demands, expectations, and eventual disappointment. In such cases, I have to repent. I must bring my good desire down to a normal size and stop pressing a person to change within my timetable. My Lord does not yell at me 
or become frustrated with me when I do not change, and I should not be so mean when my children don't change. The way he motivates me to change is by his kindness, not his harshness or disfavor. He loves me into submission through his abundant riches, which he lavishes on me. Paul said it this way in Romans 2.4, Don't presume on the riches of his kindness. Don't presume on the riches of his forbearance. Don't presume on his riches of his patience. Not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Model kindness. The title of this podcast is about foster children, the forgotten victims of abuse. I want to wrap up by talking to the foster parents, to all the foster parents, to all adoptive parents. I praise God for you. You are heroes of the faith, clearly modeling the love of the gospel as you participate with the Father in the divine rescue of children. I pray today that you feel and experience God's favor and his power as you continue to cooperate with him in communicating the Savior to these hurting victims of abuse. If you would like to chat about any aspect of this podcast or if you would like to talk about something else, go to rickthomas.net, post your question on the free community forum or the private forum if you are a supporting member. Let us help you. It would be our joy and our privilege. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.